This is the Berg's Eye View Podcast. I'm John David Bennett, Dean of Curricular Innovation at Mercersburg Academy. In this edition of our Making a Difference series, I interview Molly Zimmick, class of 1994. Molly is a former chef turned life coach who specializes in helping clients with weight loss. In our conversation, she talks about the mindset that can help someone enjoy the process of losing weight. She remembers and celebrates a Spanish teacher whose passion still informs her work and we discuss why the word coach so perfectly describes what she does. So three years ago, you started a program called The Weight Loss for Food Lovers. And on your page at the Life Coach School website, you write, I can show you how to enjoy weight loss and experience full freedom around food, which is a brilliant invitation. I love it. And something that might sound oxymoronic. Uh, Mm -hmm. So enjoy weight loss. How do you help a client begin to lay that path? Well, that's a great question. So oftentimes when we think about weight loss, we think about old school diets. And I say old school because the traditional approach usually involve some sort of quick fix, restrictive plan where you feel deprived. And it usually involves a lot of suffering, giving Mm -hmm. up a lot of the food that you love, eating things that are bland and boring, feeling hungry most of the time. That's certainly the approaches that that I tried for about 20 years. And it always ended the same way, which (laughs) with me rewarding myself with all of the food that I love, Mm -hmm. regaining the weight, and then feeling stuck in this cycle of of losing weight only to regain it and, and feeling more and more defeated. And when I was introduced to life coaching and realize that I have a lot more control than I originally thought over food and my relationship with food and being able to enjoy the food that I love. It just completely changed my understanding of, of my relationship with food and my ability to lose weight without giving up everything that I loved. And so when I started understanding that information and understanding more about brain science, I thought this is information that people need to know about. Because for so many years, I just believed that it was impossible for somebody like me who loves good food, who loves good wine. And so that's what I set to create is something that is more of a lifestyle and not necessarily a diet. And that's not the way we usually think about weight loss. We usually think, well, I have to go on a strict diet. And most of us really rebel against that idea. That's one of the reasons why it usually doesn't work is because it's not something that we could really do for the rest of our lives. It involves really practicing eating the food that you love in moderation in a very conscious and deliberate way, eating foods that help you feel satisfied, but that are also full of flavor, but also really managing your mind so that you're staying in control every step of the way, being conscious about your choices. So oftentimes what happens is we have good intentions about wanting to lose weight. And we might even find a plan where, okay, this is the way I'm going to eat for the next two weeks, or these are the things that I'm going to cut out, or this is the amount of macros that I'm going to count, or these are the amount of calories. And we have that intention. And it's not so much the, the, the plan fails. It's that we can't really commit to it in the moment. And a lot of people don't understand how to sort of manage urges and cravings for food when you really want to eat something else. And so a lot of what I help people with is understanding the thoughts that they have about food 
in the moment and associations associations that they might have with food as a reward, food as a way to decompress, food as a way to have fun, food as a way to connect with people, separating those thoughts from food just as a way to fuel your body and as a way to nourish yourself. And then deliberately including foods that might be just for fun, but in a planned way so that you can sit down and enjoy them without overdoing it. Well, when you and I talked previously, you said something uh, that eating beyond nutrition and need is for emotional reasons. And that's Mm -hmm. actually been on my mind every time I step up to the, the buffet in the dining hall. What sort of guidance do you give a client to, uh, to manage those emotions? Yeah. I mean, that's such a great question because essentially when you have that desire to eat, when you're not hungry or when you don't need extra food, or it's beyond what you need for your ideal weight, it is for an emotional reason. It's either because you just have desire. You really love food, like somebody like me, or for some people, it's because you feel anxious and food is the way you sort of feel better, right? It kind of numbs that feeling of anxiousness. And so a lot of what I help people with is learning first, just to ha- just how to identify how they feel. I mean, that's not something that, that we're usually taught how to do. I mean, as a child, nobody ever really explained to me how you identify your feelings, how you understand the emotion that you're experiencing when you go through a situation in life. And so food becomes a very easy way to just almost escape the way we feel. And so we start out when I work with people by first identifying what's happening in real time. So through coaching, we look at experiences when people overeat or in some cases overdrink and how they're feeling when they do that. What's going on? What are they thinking? So that they can figure out how to be fully present and meet themselves exactly where they are and handle the actual emotional need. Usually food is almost a consolation prize, right? It's not really what the true desire is for. So I help, I help people sort of be more in integrity with themselves so that they understand exactly how they feel what they're thinking, what it is they really want, and that they stop using food as a way to create that. So your niche is helping clients lose weight, but I gather that the work you do with them, the life coaching, the weight loss portion is just an element, that there's much more that you provide for someone. Is that accurate? Yes. So weight loss really is kind of a means to to really create a rock solid relationship with themselves. So some of the people that I help are struggling with over drinking. So that's another thing that I help people with. But as you can imagine, it's not even just about our relationship with ourselves and the way that we commit to ourselves, but also how we interact with other people. Anything that creates stress in life can be a topic worth coaching on. So for a lot of my clients, it's time management and a sense of feeling overwhelmed. And that's why they're turning to food. For other people, it's money. For some people, it's managing their relationships. So it's weight loss is usually why people reach out to me, either weight loss or or drinking, wanting to drink less. But through the process of losing weight, we get to sort of the heart of what the real issue is that needs to be solved. I used to work as a professional chef and a certified sommelier. And then I, when I reached, when I when I turned 40, I had three young kids and 
really busy life, as you can imagine. And I really struggled with eating and drinking too much. And I had tried all kinds of approaches to change that. And, and ultimately what it came down to is that I really felt out of alignment with myself. I didn't feel like I was living the best life I could. I felt discouraged that I was sort of at a, a midlife point and really was disappointed in the way that I was showing up as a parent. I didn't have a lot of energy. My, my mood was low. And it was around that time that I discovered life coaching and started applying some of the principles to my life. And when I you know, ended up losing 35 pounds and completely changing my relationship with alcohol, it was so transformational that I just was so inspired to want to help people with this. When you were at Mercersburg, who were some of the people you knew here who had a lasting impact on your life? Well, the first person who comes to mind is, is Tom Rawhauser. So he was my Spanish teacher and was so passionate about Spanish that I ended up continuing to study Spanish in college, received my bachelor's in Spanish, I actually went to graduate school to study Spanish um, and continue to have a real love of Spanish. But he was just really a mentor to me. I've, I've continued to stay in touch with him. He just, uh, and I, there was a period of time where I also was a teacher. I taught, I taught writing at the college level. And I really think of him as a role model, role model for mm -hmm. what it means to be passionate and yeah, uh, really committed. So you also went on to study Spanish at the, at the master's degree level, right? Yes. Is there a through line from Tom Rawhauser to your study of Spanish? I really, um, because I became so passionate about Spanish, learning from, from Tom Rauhauser, I thought, well, this is just the natural next step. And so I went mm -hmm. to when I went to college, I studied Spanish. I studied Latin American studies. And I even did a study abroad program in Oaxaca, Mexico, because I remember Tom Rauhauser talking about it in one of my Mercersburg Spanish <laughs> classes. And uh -huh. he was so passionate about it. Uh -huh. I just never forgot about it. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to go someplace for my study abroad semester, it's going to be Oaxaca. And that was amazing. And it was the perfect fit for me because Oaxaca really is the food capital of Mexico. And so I really incorporated my passion for, for food and cooking along with my uh, love of Spanish. And then, um, and yeah, and I continued into studying Spanish at, at the master's degree level. But it was during that time that I realized that what I really wanted to do was to pursue my love of cooking. And I, and I went to culinary school after that. And my, my wife and I traveled to uh, Barcelona a few years ago. And mm -hmm. when Tom heard that we were going, he was sure to stop me and tell me these three places I had to go. My wife and I aren't great itinerary travelers. Not, we're not really sightseers, but I couldn't, okay. bear to come, I couldn't bear to come back and tell Tom I didn't see those three places. <laughs> so like the, fir the first day we checked them all off, to, you know, so I could let him know that I had been to the Picasso Museum, that I'd seen Park Gual, and I'd spent some time at Sagrada Familia. So anyway, oh, good. Uh, you've mentioned the well-roundedness of the curriculum at Mercersburg when you're here. You swam here in the Blue Review. You participated in the newspaper. Well, I mean, it was exactly what I needed. I, um, I never, I didn't have a true sense of, of what I wanted to do early on, but it was really the richness of the education that I had at Mercersburg 
And then of also the liberal arts education that I had in college that really helped me form a stronger sense of myself and what I'm really interested in. And I actually believe that, that Mercersburg is responsible for helping me feel independent enough hmm. to step out in, the, in my decision to become a chef and also to start my own business in life coaching. I mean, these are two kind of unconventional paths. When, when I think about the people that I went to school with and some of the sort of traditional routes that people take, I had to feel a certain amount of courage to really step out and do something completely different. And I, and I think that Mercersburg enabled me to feel strong enough to do that because I really developed a sense of independence being there. One thing you've mentioned is helping your clients uh, have a vision of their future selves. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's more complex, more layered than very simply setting goals. Mm. Uh, what, what exactly do you mean by the vision of their future selves? What I mean is if you could create the ideal version of yourself, what would it mm-hmm. look like? If you could create the ideal life for yourself, what would it look like? Sometimes we're even hesitant to even imagine that because there are so many, there's so much lack of belief that it's possible that essentially at the heart of coaching is building your belief that you can create anything you want. And for me, actually losing weight and changing my relationship with alcohol was so miraculous because I never thought it was possible to be at this place where it's just a way of life and it doesn't feel like a struggle. And I just am a completely Mm. different person has led me to believe that I can really do anything I want. I mean, I've, I've created a business where I make more money than I ever have. I'm just speaking out and, and more connected to my true voice. And I work with people every day who want to step into, into a new version of themselves that they have only dreamed about in the past. And so mm-hmm. when I say future self, it's about giving yourself permission to imagine what you could create if you started to believe it's possible. Because really the only thing standing in between where you are now and the life that you want to create is that belief, is starting to believe that, you know what, I might be able to do this. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, struck by the use of the word coach in the in the title, uh, life coach, and working in an institution where we are teachers and coaches, and we often think of there being um, those being delineated. Mm. What is the value of that word in in the work that you do? Mm. Right. Essentially, the coach is somebody who helps hold you accountable to what you're trying to achieve. So in this respect, it's very similar to an athletic coach, right? You have a goal. Maybe it's to, maybe it's to, to swim your fastest time at a meet as a swimmer. Maybe it's to win the championship game. Uh, maybe it's to beat your, your biggest rival. It's about helping you achieve your full potential. And so I really think that inherently I am a coach beyond just doing it professionally. Like I coach my kids every day. I coach myself. I mean, every morning when my alarm goes off at 520 to go to swim practice, my brain says, you're crazy. Why would you do this? 
you're going to jump into, I mean, this morning it was 50 degrees outside. My brain said, are you, like, what are you thinking? This is like the worst possible idea. And so being a coach to myself is, is being compassionate to myself and saying, yeah, I know you think it's a bad idea, but we're going to feel amazing after we do it. And if you want to be somebody who has strength and who has flexibility and who has energy today, then you have to be willing to do some hard work. And so that's, that's what coaching is all about, is helping you overcome the obstacles in your own mind of why you can't do it. Again, that was Molly Zimmick, class of 1994. Thank you to Jim Bradley for help producing this podcast. And special thanks to Brian Morgan, class of 07, and Maddie Norris, class of 21, for writing and recording the music. If you know a Mercer's Berg graduate who's making a difference and you'd like to nominate them for an appearance on the Berg's Eye View podcast, send an email to alumni at mercersburg.edu. Thank you for listening.